Welcome to ERM Perspectives, the show dedicated to credit union enterprise risk management. If you're interested in hearing perspectives on enterprise risk management directly from the people who do ERM at credit unions, you've got the best seat in the house. I work with credit unions every day so they can have their ideal enterprise risk management program. I'm your host, David Seibert. Let's dive in. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of ERM Perspectives. I'm your host, David Seibert. Today, I'm excited to have Chris Wiley with me. Chris is the Vice President of Enterprise Risk Management at American Eagle Financial Credit Union in East Hartford, Connecticut. Welcome, Chris. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Well, thanks a lot for taking the time out uh, to spend time with me today. I'm looking forward to it. So let's uh, get to know you a little bit better, Chris. Tell us about yourself uh, and your background and uh, what you do at the credit union. Well, I work at American Eagle Financial Credit Union. I've been there for three decades at the same credit union. So that seems like not too many people are doing that anymore. But, you know, I started there right out of college as an internal auditor. And, and in 1998, the board of directors requested that we start a risk management department. So that's when I transitioned into risk management. And at first I was just performing traditional risk management functions up about until 2009. And then our regulatory examiners NCOA asked to see our ERM program. And while it wasn't required, it certainly was something that they were looking for for larger credit unions. And we were about 800 million in assets at that point. So needless to say, that's when we started to develop our, our ERM program. And so Um, We just started with, you know, the risk categories and some KRIs and then just expanded from there. Oh, cool. It's always interesting to me to know where people start before they get into ERM, as you say. I'm used to calling it enterprise risk management, but absolutely ERM is another, uh, you know, way to reference enterprise risk management. Um, And you came in through audit. I did. Which is cool. Yeah. I came in through information security. I know compliance is another uh, road in, business continuity, lots of different ways in. So thanks for sharing, you know, how you got in there. Well, let's let's dive into the the program itself. Uh, You did, I think you touched on how long it's been into play. Tell us about maybe how you're organized and staffed, uh, anything unique about the program? Uh, Yeah, sure. We have uh, myself, I'm the VP of Enterprise Risk Management, and I also have an assistant vice president Uh, under me and we're currently recruiting for another position to uh, just do a lot of the traditional risk management uh, functions. And um, I report currently to the chief operations officer. And, you know, in the past, I've reported to our CEO and also our CFO and chief risk officer as well. Yes, our ERM program has been in place since 2010. And, you know, we started with seven risk categories, uh, just, you know, mimicking what NCOA um, uses because it's really why reinvent the wheel. And um, I think, you know, we started with just seven risk categories. You know, we've had, we started with credit, interest rate, liquidity, transaction risk, reputation, strategic, and compliance. And then, um, NCUA came out with uh, a letter to credit unions and said, oh, well, now everyone needs to worry about concentration risk. And I said, okay, well, perhaps instead of having a separate compliance 
um, a concentration risk um, program, I said, let's just wrap that up at, at the ERM level, yeah. you know, and put it into our program. So yeah. then we added concentration risk. And then uh, just the whole cyber threat landscape just really started blowing up. And we decided that that was, that was taking over our transaction risk category. Uh, so then we decided to, you know, just create a cyber risk category of its own. And, and really it's become uh, the most popular risk category for our board of directors. And we even have a cybersecurity uh, board level committee. So that's, mm. you know, it was appropriate to do that. Yeah, that and makes then, a lot of sense. Yeah. So, you know, we just every so often just kind of review our ERM program, see what's working, what's not. Sometimes we mature so much in a certain risk category that our KRIs need to be um, enhanced or, you know, made a little stretchier. And uh, sometimes we just have to get rid of the KRI altogether and create a new one just because we've outgrown it right. or it's just not really a key risk indicator. Um, so key key risk indicators or KRIs, like we, we like to call them, they should be leading. They should be telling you what potentially could happen in the future, you right. know, to indicate that risk is on the horizon. So, um, so you really have to just, you know, every once in a while, take a step back and look at those and uh, see if they're even, you know, applicable to your environment anymore. Right. Yeah, that's, that's a good point, Chris. You can't just set it and forget it because the environment does change. And right. it's our, our job to be uh, diligent about recognizing well, that and, and be proactive. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. And it sounds like you have nine categories now. Is that right? We have a total of nine categories. Yeah, mm -hmm. I remember after the great financial crisis, the concentration risk became a big deal. So that was like, well, yeah. there's number eight, even though NCOA didn't make that official, but it seemed like that was a good number eight. And, and, yeah. and you're absolutely right about cybersecurity now. I mean, what else is... I mean, what takes the place cybersecurity as far as like, it's on everybody's mind. So, um, and we always lumped it into transactional risk, but it, it, it's nice that it has a life of its own at your credit union. It can get the attention it deserves. Yeah, yeah. it does. So let's talk about if there's anything that your ERM program is especially strong at. Can you walk us through uh, something there? Uh, yeah, well, we have a net worth calculation and dollars at risk. And I really think that's, it's really like the cornerstone of our ERM program. And it's, you know, the regulators were kind of asking for this. And we would, we would um, calculate that in the credit risk section only. And then we had this great idea to just expand it to the whole entire program. So we try to quantify the dollars are, that are at risk in each of the ERM category, uh, risk categories. And, and it's hard to do for a certain, you know, reputation risk. You can't really, you know, put a dollar on that. Um, but we do a good job with credit, interest rate risk, liquidity, uh, transaction risk. What we do is take our actual fraud dollars and use that as a calculation. Uh, Cyber risk is a big one. So we take the dollars at risk for a data breach. So we look at our the average dollar of a data breach times the uh, number of members we have. And, and that's that's a sizable number. And you, then we'll can I ask you a question about that? Do you yeah, use sure. like the Ponemon research to get that number? Is we that do. your source? Okay. That's, we, that's, that 
um, and the Verizon data breach. Yeah. Uh, and, and our insurer also provides us some information um, yearly oh. when we do okay. our cyber cyber insurance renewal. Yeah, those are three good sources. Yeah, I hadn't thought about the insurer, but that makes a lot of sense. Okay, mm -hmm. well, thank you for that. Didn't want to interrupt you on. Yeah, sure. It's a great tip. Um, and then, you know, we subtract out the limit of liability for our cyber insurance. So, you know, we're, we're trying to come up with scenarios that could occur that we could actually suffer a, a dollar loss in, in each of these categories. In compliance, it might be, what are the big banks getting fined with? And then we'll use that as the dollar figure. So I, I know those are egregious violations of consumer <laughs> compliance laws, but, but they're real life scenarios that are happening. Yeah. Um, not to say it would happen at our credit union, but, yeah. you know, it's just, you got to use something in there just to have an example. And so we calculate all that. We come up with our network calculation. And we subtract out uh, NCUA's minimum 6% requirement hmm. so that we're left with a subtotal. And then we'll add in our net income uh, that we are budgeting for the year. And so that leaves us uh, the dollars available for risk events. So we calculate all the risks that, that could occur, you know, and uh, just subtract that. And what we're left with is hopefully a surplus net worth. Yeah. Um, not at risk to the credit union. So it should be in the millions and millions and millions of dollars. And I think that's a really powerful statement when you present to your regulators, to your board of directors to say, look, if we have uh, you know, a perfect storm and if we have an event so, so large that it affects all of our risk categories, even if it impacts it to the fullest extent, mm -hmm. we're still going to have all this surplus left over. So that hopefully makes everyone be able to sleep at night. Yeah, that's really powerful. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Do you use the, the phrase like risk capacity or is it the surplus net worth at risk, I think is what you called it? or We, we just call it a surplus net worth. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I can see how that would be very powerful and you can just watch that fluctuate over time and, and hopefully it it grows and, yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, you've got the right amount of risk. Well, that's cool. Mm -hmm. Anything else about that calculation? How long have you been doing that calculation? Uh, probably five years now. Okay. So it's very mature. Yes. And what's the board's, what's their take on it? Do they, they probably can't live without it anymore, right? <laughs> I don't think so. I, I really think, I, I hope that this is you know, this and our spider diagram, I've created, uh, I, I took a, I took a spider diagram yeah. and I created this chart that shows all the possible risk. And then I said, okay, this is our target risk appetite. And then I have another line showing our, our actual existing risk. Yeah. And it, it really should be within our target risk appetite and not outside. And so when yeah. it gets outside, that's when you have to do a little more explaining, um, but it's all good. You know, they're just indications and, and it's really when it's outside your risk area or risk appetite area tolerance level, whatever you'd like to call it, it's just a call to action to say, okay, is there some mitigation factors that we should be putting in place or, or, you know, is everything okay? And we can live with this, you know, and it's, right. it's just... It's just to pinpoint your risk and where, where dollars could be lost. Right. Yeah. I like the visual too. I, I like the spider diagram, the radar oh. diagram and how that fluctuates and changes. It's very powerful to, to see that over time. It's a good visual. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. And we also, um, because we've been doing our program for so long, I do have a trend report too. It's a trend chart. And so I show the fluctuation if uh, the, the risk is going up or down. And I also color code it uh, so they could see, you know, how we're becoming more tolerable and less risk averse and more, more agreeable to taking on more risk. And I think I think a lot of credit unions in the 90s and 2000s, we were really, ours included, we were a really risk-averse credit union. And I think by having this EARN program, we've been able to have really great conversations around the table about, well, we how can we take more risk? Okay, this is how we can. And, 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 and we're starting to see the needle inch closer to our target risk appetite. And mm -hmm. it's exciting. Yeah. So yeah, we, think we still have some more risk-taking to do for sure, but um, we're not taking too much. And, and this is just the measurement of how much is too much. And, and when we get there, we'll know because mm -hmm. we have this EARN program. Right. I think that's one of the powerful benefits of EARN programs at credit unions because credit unions typically have been conservative when it comes to risk, yeah. but now they have an ability to really know how much risk they have, how much risk they can take, and what that extra risk will do for them. I, I agree credit unions are moving out on that risk curve and it's paying off. I think they're mm -hmm. doing well because of it. And, and I suspect your credit union is, is a good example of that. So yeah. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. So, you know, building and operating an ERM program can be, be a bit of a challenge. So what do you think some of the hardest things that you have to overcome to build an ERM program and, and what have you done to address those? Well, I think for us, it was definitely just getting everybody's buy-in and not so much that we were going to have an ERM program because I think everybody was on the same page with that. It was more or less when we were developing the KRIs, the risk categories, the risk tolerance, just the measurements of the KRIs. We weren't all in agreement. And I think I wanted tone from the top. I wanted this to be supported throughout the organization. So I really made sure that everybody got her around the table and that we all came to a consensus because I think that was really important, um, at least for me, because um, I wanted this to be taken seriously and I wanted it, I, I wanted it to be something that we could use and rely on. Yeah, that's great. Do you have a risk management committee or that you can rely on to help you get through those things? Because I don't, I didn't hear you mention that earlier. And when I think about getting collective buy-in and having to deal with what's the one to five rating scale and what's the right KRI, I, I kind of always mm -hmm. think about, well, I better lean on my risk management committee. So tell me a bit about that. So when we established our started working on our earn program, we established the, the risk charter. And then we decided, well, we're gonna call ourselves the risk council. So okay. we have a risk council uh, comprised mostly of senior executive leadership. And so, but we have representation for the whole credit union. So we have someone in yeah. HR, someone in IT, someone in operations, someone in lending, and someone in our strategic planning area. And I think it works really well. And so everybody can weigh in, um, you know, on the KRIs and, yeah. and if we should make changes and we take a vote at the meeting and it's all yeah. documented. And, um, and then 
in that meeting, we also, I give them an update about where we are with our ERM program. And then I also do kind of like a top 10 risks for the entire credit union. And it doesn't necessarily have to be in one of the risk categories. It's like, what are our risks that the credit union faces? It's almost like doing a Sarbanes-Oxley um, requirement, but it's not required um, because uh, publicly traded companies have to do that. So, um, so I like to discuss where we are with our top 10 risks and, you know, whether they're like, they're current and we're, you know, in the midst of one of these risks or are they emerging? And it's good to talk about the emerging risks because, you know, sometimes you might want to say, okay, that's a really important emerging risk. Let's, let's create a KRI for that or Let's let's create another risk category. Right. Yeah, you're right about emerging risks. They are important. And sometimes mm -hmm. it seems like they're approaching pretty slow. But if you think about now and the past two years, how fast risks can come to fruition and yeah. big ones. It's a good experience to go through. And yeah, it's important to to manage emerging risks because they actually can come pretty fast. I think they are going to continue to come fast here for a bit. <laughs> Yeah, fast and furious. And, fast and furious. Uh, you know, and, and some of the risks that we've identified as our top 10, um, ransomware being one of them, mm. it's, you know, and it, it, came, it came upon us pretty fast, but it's staying here too. It's right. not leaving us. Yeah, it is a persistent one. It's been around and it's, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's not going away. No. And thanks for talking about the risk council. So is that the group that actually approves the scales and the KRIs and all that? Yeah, yes. that makes sense. Cool. Yep. I'll meet with like, I'll meet with the business owners. Uh, we've assigned also uh, oversight. So I'm not responsible for the entire ERM program. Uh, we, we've assigned key risk owners. Hmm. So our, um, for instance, our chief lending officer is responsible for credit risk as hmm. well as, um, you know, our chief financial officer um, for the investment side of the house. Mm -hmm. So, so they also have a table stakes in, in our ERM program. Yeah. And, and it's, it's actually worked out really well. Yeah. It, it makes sense to, to know who's, who's going to step up and talk when it comes to this particular risk. Yeah. Yeah. yeah good. Was well, there anything else about the ERM program or the credit union that uh, we haven't talked about yet that you want to share? Um, well, uh, there's one thing I think uh, the viewers might be wondering about. Um, so, our ERM program is all manual. It's, I've done it with uh, spreadsheets in Excel and also in Word. And we have a very pretty report that I issue out um, once a year, for the full report. And then I do a ERM update report um, after, at June 30th. And there's no software involved. And you really can have a program that's doesn't require you to spend thousands and thousands of dollars um, yeah. on software. Yeah, thanks for mentioning that. I'm a big uh, supporter of that too. I've been doing uh, my enterprise risk management for 12 plus years and it's been software free. Um, yeah. It's really about getting out there and having the conversations and deciding what to do about things and doesn't have to get complicated with yep. software. Yes, thanks for That's sharing That's definitely that. true. And, and I could say that wholeheartedly and, you know, even being a two and a half billion dollar credit union and not needing software is, is a huge statement to make. And yeah. um, 
we recently, you know, created this earn program and, and really rolled it out to our board. Hmm. Um, uh, just in the last few years, um, originally it was at the management level and in 2019, we, we decided to, you know, because our program was so mature and, and it was really the time to, uh, you know, showcase it to the board and, and have them have that level of understanding that we have about our risks. And I think it, it really helps them put everything in perspective and, and really understand how everything fits in that, um, they're addressing at, at the board level. Right. And, um, so they were very interested in perhaps getting an audit of mm. our earn program. So last year we uh, had our earn program audited, and I was uh, I was wondering, oh, are they going to require us to get some software? But um, that's not the case, and so um, it was really well received, and we didn't have any audit findings or recommendations um, that were anything material or a- at all, and um, so it was really, um, it was a real eye-opener that, you know, you don't need the software. Right, right. Because I think examiners and regulators like to say, okay, now what? Okay, let's, let's, let's have them put this program into a software program. Yeah. And, you know, and I just, I'm here to sell, tell you that you, you don't need to. Right, right. Yeah, software sometimes kind of looks like the easy button. Uh, but I think it just kind of boxes you in and gives you limitations more than anything else. So it's yes. good to hear that your auditors didn't go down that route. Yeah. Yes. And congratulations on the no findings. That must be, you know, interesting for you to have worked on your earn program for so long. And then you're inviting someone to come in and critique it yeah. and you don't know which direction it's going to go, but in the end you must feel really good about it. So congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. And, yeah. and it, it was really a good opportunity as well to get some benchmarking data, to try to understand, you know, how well am I doing against other credit unions? Because, you know, ERM isn't on the call report, you know, we can, we can, we have to tell, um, you know, what our asset size is and, you know, all our delinquency and all of that. And there's no peer-to-peer data. Um, There's no line item on the call report to kind of like help us benchmark ERM. So it's, it, it was a real, it was a really good process to go through and I'm glad we did. And, and, I, and I'm glad we got that validation. Yeah, that's good. Thanks for mentioning that it's not on the call report. I mean, that's such a good point. Call report seems to be so comprehensive, mm-hmm. um, but ERM programs, uh, no space on there for, for that. So that's a good, right. good call out. So back to your board, was the board aware of you and what you were doing prior to them formally participating in the program or were they really, or they'd really not know that until they got involved? Oh, I believe there had been conversations just within different aspects of, of board meetings that we did have an enterprise risk yeah. management program. Okay. Um, and, you know, some of our board members were starting to ask about it and we were in the process of putting an organizational framework together with, here are all the policies you need to understand. Here are all the board, um, board level programs that, that regulations require you to approve like your BSA program or your security program. So we, we said, okay, let's take the ERM program to the board and like, let's 
let's get that codified. Mm. And, and, and now they take interest in it and they have, um, you know, um, a job now to approve it annually. Yeah. So um, it's sense. always a great conversation. Good. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I was, I'm always curious how it gets to the board, you know, what's, what's the impetus. Mm. So, so that makes a lot of sense. Thanks for yeah. sharing that. Yeah. Sure. Well, lastly, do you have any advice uh, for our listeners about enterprise risk management, whether how to get started or, or what they should be focusing on? Uh, yeah, I've been doing this for a while. So I have a lot of advice for the listeners out there. Um, I think the first thing to do is just, you know, create a charter for yourself. So you have some focus and, and that was by creating that it was a way for the risk council to make the decisions on how the ERM program was going to run, you know, and they're, they're just uh, essential to have a path and a direction and just to, you know, start the process. Yeah. I think um, for me, I thought, I think it was important um, for me to get educated and certified in ERM. And so I would, I would go to every conference webinar there was, um, and also, you know, uh, get certified because I think that goes a long way. It um, also helps you, you know, uh, be taken seriously. And, it, and it's also, you know, a way to show that you are knowledgeable in the um, ERM space as well. Right, right. And so I think um, for those of you just starting out or trying to figure out ERM, don't try to reinvent the wheel. You know, let's use what NCUA has. And they have great risk categories. They have great definitions. We still use those. Mm -hmm. You know, we haven't tried to like redo everything. And it, it really does help when you get your NCUA exam and they're rating you medium risk. And oh, look, we have, we rated ourselves medium risk. So it, it works, it works out pretty good. But they, they do have um, some different uh, criteria ratings than yeah. we do, but. And I think, you know, just know that, you know, ERM is a process, you know, it's, you're never done. You're, you're always constantly tweaking and updating and, and making changes based on the threat landscape. And, um, and it should be that way. It should be dynamic mm -hmm. and ever changing. And, and that's when, you know, you've matured your ERM program mm -hmm. and, and really can repeat it year after year after year. Yeah, that's really good advice. Uh, the environment's always changing. And like we talked about just a few minutes ago when we talked about emerging risk, the last two years, and I think what we're coming up to in the next couple of years, I think things are going to change faster than they have before. So that's really important for you and I and, and all of us in enterprise risk management to mm -hmm. know it's a work in progress and to, and to keep on top of it. So yeah, thanks for mentioning that. Yeah, for sure. And then yeah. I think... My last tip is really just, you know, no one size fits all ERM program. So it really should be tailored to your uh, size and complexity of your organization. And as you grow, you need to expand it. And you don't need to start out with seven risk categories. Maybe you have a financial category, financial risks, combined liquidity and interest rate risk if you're a smaller credit union and just have transaction risk and maybe some reputation risk. Yeah, that's it, good it just, it all depends. Yeah. 
So let me ask you a question about your charter. When you mentioned starting out with a charter, I agree that that's a great way to codify you know, the mm -hmm. purpose and some roles and expectations. Is that specifically a charter for the risk council or is it more of a charter for like the program? It's for the risk council and kind of the overarching uh, do's and don'ts mm -hmm. or responsibilities of the ERM program. Okay. I don't actually have a manual or a, you know, for the program itself, procedures manual or anything right. like that. I have not gotten that far and nor has anyone required it. Um, be, because it's, it's, ERM is a framework that you follow. It's not necessarily a prescript, a prescriptive step-by-step -step situation. And because ERM can be different, you, you could have a, just a, a, a list of risks, a risk register. Mm -hmm. You don't, it, it, you can set it up however you want. Right. Right. And that's, that's the beauty of it. You know, yeah. there's no right answer or wrong answer. It's, it's what it's what you make of it and how your credit union uses it and you adapt it to how your your credit union operates mm -hmm. right yeah good point if your charter says these are the things we want to achieve then as long as you're achieving those things your program is successful and like you said it's different for every credit union mm -hmm. so in addition to your charter do you have a board level policy? Because I think that was kind of your entry into the board, right? Is there's, you mentioned, well, we approve a BSA policy and we, we approve, a, approve a compliance policy or whatever. Is there a risk policy? Is that kind of how you introduced it to the board? Uh, we don't have a policy. We're, we're pretty um, minimalistic when it comes to the amount of board policies that we're required okay. to have. So we are a state charter credit union. So there's only uh, a handful of board level policies that we're required to have. Um, so we just call them programs. And so mm -hmm. that's how we introduced it. Um, to okay. The board. That makes sense. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Well, this has been a lot of fun, Chris. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for sharing your experience and your program and congratulations on how successful it is. Yeah, and, thank you. um, I really like the risk, you know, your net worth at risk and that calculation, that's super powerful. So again, thank you so much. Now, if any listeners uh, want to ask more questions and get a hold of you, is that okay? Is there a way for them to reach out to you? Yeah, I'd, I'd be happy to entertain any and all questions because when I was starting out trying to do this, I had no one to call and no one to talk to. So by all means, you can email me at Chris, C-H-R-I-S dot W-I at A-E-F-C-U.com. Or just give me a call on my uh, work cell. It's 860-338-4714. All right. Thank you so much, Chris. I'll be sure and have that kind of in a written format somewhere on the podcast page too, so they can see that. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you, Chris. It's been fun. And uh, to all our listeners, uh, thanks for listening to this episode of ERM Perspectives, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. That's all for today's ERM Perspectives. If you enjoyed the show and heard something useful, please do your friends and colleagues a favor and share this podcast with them. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss the next one. Please contact me if you'd like to be a guest on this show, or if I can help you or someone you know. I'm David Seibert, and you can find me on LinkedIn or at my website, davidcybertconsulting.com.